1: You are listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined, as always, by Michael. Hello, everybody.
2: What, what are y'all doing over there? <laughs> hey. You listening to some tunes? What are you doing? You li- Are you at your desk? Are you driving in your car? You on your way to your way to West Texas. I don't know. Hello. How are you, Spencer? What do you got going on over there?
1: T-ball practice. Oh. How'd it go? Um, should have changed. Oh. So Did you have trouble
2: running the bases?
1: <laughs> I didn't run at all. Oh, oh well, I, I I was a little uh, restricted in my movement today. Yeah, understood. Um, so practice is at 5.30, at Cooper North Elementary School. We work at Covenant. Oh, that's a pretty good little trek. So Samantha is actually, um, well this is unrelated, but she's starting to go in, like the rest of her office, strangely, is going in at 745. Okay, why do you have to be that specific? Not sure. Which means we got off at 445 today. So we were actually there a little early, but yeah, that's that's a little... A little ways away from the office. Yeah. The drive. He has to be, you know, changed and ready to go. I didn't bring a change of clothes. I should have. I was out there trying to coach T-ball in slacks and dress shoes. Like, and I have stupid black dress shoes. Oh, like, so they
2: were covered in.
1: Well, the one, one, they're like, they're, they're too long. Like they're, they're size 13. And I, I, If they made 12 like that were stocked regularly, I would wear a 12 So a lot of my dress shoes are 13s because that's just what fits better. These are like a 13 and then like two extra inches of toe on it. Mm. I I don't get it. It's like one of those, I don't know. It's a uh, 13 XL. Sure. It's dumb. Um, Anyways, black shoes, black pants, covered in dirt today that was smart so mm-hmm. I, I need to be ready more prepared for running
2: around in the dirt yeah not not the best not the best attire for t-ball
1: it would well, be one thing if I like sat there on the, on the, the field and just like watched Grayson have practice
2: yeah but you have to be interactive
1: yeah I was coaching yeah you're coaching and oh my gosh if you've ever seen four or five and six year olds learning the game of baseball
2: it's rough I'm sure I'm sure they'll be fine. They'll have it figured out. They'll be telling you stuff before the the end of the what's, what's the grueling really? T-ball season?
1: What, 182
2: really? games, is that right? Mhm. Okay. Mm-hmm. 182 games. We're starting yeah. like 3 a day, a day oh. pretty soon. Okay. All right. You got some um, series series in a plane view
1: <laughs> in a day, yeah. <laughs> no, but um so surprisingly there are a couple of kids that like they they were young but like had everything down that we were doing. Like they were Fielding ground balls, they were catching throws in the air and then throwing it back really well. There were some kids that like I still have trouble with that had no idea like so we at one point in the practice we were doing like stages or like there were four coaches we all had like three or four kids a peach a piece. I was like the third stage like in the, the process, right? So like the, the manager was teaching like how to get ready and be in a ready position, how to slide back and forth. The second coach was talking about getting down on the ball and putting his hand over the glove, that kind of thing. So when they came to me, I was, I was actually throwing balls to them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so they, they would catch the ball and they would throw it back to me. Like I said, some kids, overhand throws right to me. I had several that would underhand toss, that would go the opposite direction. I was like, how are you that uncoordinated? You can't underhand toss a ball straight well, ahead. Maybe they it was were, like
0: it maybe, went off like,
1: oh, like way to, off to your, the right, like to your right. Yeah, it was. It was so strange. So we we've got some. some they work. need
2: coaching, uh, Spencer. That's what you're there for. Yeah. Um, you'll have them. You'll have them uh, spitting, breaking balls left and right here and there.
1: We're not even, yeah, we're not even like in a, a kid pitch league. No, I know. I know it's T-ball, obviously. <laughs> well, it's modified T-ball, so. What does that mean? The the coach will throw, I think, five pitches to them. Okay. When they inevitably, inevitably strike out, or not strike out, when they inevitably miss all five of them, we will set a tee up and they get two swings. Okay. okay. If they miss all of those, then they are, it's a, a strike out. And they go. Seven. Right, so so seven,
2: seven chances really.
1: Well, because I mean we're talking about four year olds. Yeah, I know. At a I just pitch. wonder
2: where seven came up. Seems like that would. I think five would be better. Get, get the get the game going a little bit faster. I'm not sure. Let's just let's just do five. It'll be fine.
1: Anyways, three and two. So we got that going on. We got the a staking the planes get together planned this weekend.
2: Right. On Saturday for the TCU game. Yeah, we're
1: gonna I made a stop at Raider Red Meats. I need to make sure I'm saying their name. Right. I, I kept saying Red Raider Meats. It's Raider Red Meats.
2: That's probably some sort of copyright thing. They probably can't say. I'm not sure. Red Raider Meats.
1: I stopped by there this afternoon. Picked up a slab of beef ribs. Oh man! Prepare yourself,
2: guys. This is huge. We're having beef ribs on Saturday. Better believe it. Hey, that's that's as good a segue as any. I had I had uh, one thing I wanted to cover before we dive into what is possibly the best Texas Tech Sports Weekend uh, in the history of fire. So we will start quickly. History of fire. To just roll through, um, Daniel Vaughn, my guy. I like I like Daniel Vaughn, uh, barbecue editor, which is a thing at Texas Monthly.
1: That sounds like a job I want to have.
2: I agree. You know, I think it would be kind of overwhelming. It's it's like one of those things where, you know, make your passion your job, and then all of a sudden you realize, oh, my gosh, there's a lot of work to this. But uh, he's a great follow on Twitter. To, he gets to travel the state. Yeah, and eats barbecue and writes about it.
1: What's wrong with any of that?
2: There's probably deadlines and some other things that he may make it a little to... bit less enjoyable. Probably some stuff it's he has It's a magazine,
1: to... though, which means he gets plenty of time, like... Yeah, he has like a month to work on his stories, right?
2: And if y'all get Texas Monthly, I I do. I've been a subscriber for a while.
1: It's a lot of ads. It's a good little magazine, but yeah, it, it's it, a it great is, magazine. Like Lots of 90% ads. Ninety percent ad supported,
2: and I believe it was Seth that told us that they're they're starting to lean towards the um, even the online edition, the online stuff, s- subscription based, right? Which as a subscriber, I'm kind of okay with because it would always kind of take me off that. I read this article and then I got the magazine two or three days later <laughs> and I thought, why did I even pay for this magazine? Because I just read this article for free and the article online has more info than the one in the magazine. So anyway, uh, the article is called Where to Find Great Barbecue on the Staked Plains. Eh?
1: Big fan of, of, of that headline, and, Staked Plains. And
2: then the subheadline, or whatever the lingo is, I don't know. The Yano Estacado area isn't exactly known for smoked meats, but these joints are changing.
0: So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate.
1: Changing the scene. So this is... Well, I, I guess good stuff. Isn't exactly known for smoked meats. It like It's not saying it's Central Texas barbecue. Right. But, I mean, where else are you going to get decent... Texas barbecue. I mean, you can't just travel to Austin and say, "Okay, I want to get barbecue," the one place in the state, right? Well, and and wait in six-hour line at Franklin's. And
2: it was just strange. There, I mean, ten years ago, there, there's been J and M's. Of course, Tom and Bingos has been around forever. Uh, Bingham's. That's about it. I, and then see, so and then maybe anywhere. Rudy's was here. I don't know if Rudy's was here yet. That was really about it.
1: So I haven't been to any of the first three you mentioned. Only thing I've gotten from Rudy's is a breakfast burrito, a breakfast taco, whatever they call them. <clears throat>
2: I which, like
1: Rudy's. Which, I, I mean, I've had their like their barbecue smoked meat in a breakfast burrito. We'll,
2: we'll stand by the Rudy's bandwagon as the best chain, chain barbecue. Yeah. Uh, but just real quick, I didn't want to dive into it too much, but it's a, a great article. Um, he talks about some places in Amarillo Plain view, uh, but I wanted to point out the ones particularly close to us. Of course, uh, Evie Maze and Wolferth, that we've talked about quite a bit, gets, gets mentioned as the game changer. Um, Ember's Barbecue here in Lubbock gets mentioned as the fighter. And they're a little place that first started out in Leveland and they just couldn't quite keep, uh, you know, they. They decided to move from Leveland to Lubbock to try to generate some more business, and they're only open on Thursdays as of January. And
1: uh, how are you only open once a week? I don't know.
2: I think you're just trying to establish. I guess you're just trying to establish business, and which I guess cook as much as you sell, and if that spills into well, we got to open Friday because we had so many people come, we had to turn people away. That, I mean, that's as good a a theory as any as opposed to, well, we're just going to be open five days a week and or or whatever. But Ember's barbecue. I'd never heard of it till I read this article. If y'all have tried it, let me know. Uh, we're, we're going to need to look into it. Uh, one of the other ones that I've heard of, but have never been is pit forks and smoke rings out in Slayton. And this one has a great name. It's a great ring. It's a great name. And it's kind of been blown up here and there on social media off and on the last year or so I, I'll see it pop up here and there so gotta get out there to Slayton try that and then uh, the other places that get a mention are the Shack of course and Tom and Bingos as far as really local so it's it's a good read it's, it's always nice to see Texas Monthly discuss West Texas without mentioning Marfa Like there's also, we are also West Texas. It's not all just down Southwest Texas.
1: So it's funny you mentioned that because um, there is a YouTuber that I follow that uh, it's, he's photography related based. He does like reviews and stuff on cameras and gear and stuff. He did a West Texas trip and that West Texas trip was like a weekend in Marfa. Yeah, yeah, of course it was.
2: He's a photographer? Yeah, he, he probably went oh, to the... Oh, a photographer went to Marfa? He probably went to the, the Gucci store. You think? It's Prada. Prada, whatever. See, it's, that's what I not It's care. Prada Marfa. Prada Marfa. I've, I've, I can't believe you've heard of that. No one ever mentions that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, Texas Monthly, great barbecue on the staked plains. Thank, you, thank
2: you, Daniel Vaughn, for not forgetting about us out here.
1: Hopefully have some great barbecue this weekend while we take in the Texas Tech TCU basketball game. Ribs. We'll have to see, though, because this is... It's not as, like, daunting as brisket because it's a much smaller cut. I mean, it's... It's daunting price-wise. It is. It was eight pounds. Yeah. At six ninety-nine dollars 99 a pound, it, like, it was a good yeah. $56. It was more... It was on the high end of what you'd pay for a brisket. Oh, yeah. Definitely the high end. But... Half of half the size, and of course, a lot of that weight's in the bone, which takes me off. When they sell like a bone-in steak, and they and do it by the weight, it's like because <laughs> here's the thing: like if you go look at any any butcher shop that sells like tomahawk ribeyes, it's by the it's by the pound, right? Mm-hmm. They will sell you like a ten-pound bone, like these four-foot-long bones with this little twelve-ounce steak on the end of it is somehow m- much more expensive than the boneless ribeye that's sitting right next to us like no that was an extra cut that the butcher made
2: but do you but you don't understand the but the, it now uh, costs you art
1: it now costs you like this, this is a marfa cut <laughs> that cut translates to the butcher actually saving money when he did more work it anyways paying for a meat by the pound that has bone in it just grates my nerves it, well how what about whole chicken you got to draw the line somewhere. Okay, but chicken bones are hollow. They're not dense, filled with marrow and giant bone. Like the, the, the bones in a beef rib, you've seen them, right? They're yeah. massive.
2: Yeah, and you've got the,
1: they're, they're the big, marrow. They're long in it. marrow.
2: Yeah. Anyways, I'm excited to be having beef ribs. We just need to create some boneless animals for Spencer. No, I just. Be good to go. Why don't you smoke some bologna? Smoke a big roll of bologna.
1: I just wish they wouldn't charge by the
2: pound with bone.
1: How 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 else they can can they do it though? Well, it could be different sizes. Here's the thing: like they 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 cut those meat those they have those cuts in very I wouldn't say uniform, but very close to uniform size. Yeah, I'd agree with that. There probably isn't a whole lot of difference in the bone mass from cut to cut. Now, there will be there will probably be some difference in like muscle to fat and how that affects the weight, I, I bet there's more difference in that than there is, like, f- from cut to cut, I think there's more difference from muscle to fat ratio than there is, like, to bone density and bone weight. Man, if only we had a meat judging team that we could we could call upon to ask Here's the yes. thing. I'm buying my meat from the meat judging team. <laughs> you gotta ask them. Mention it to them. Well, here's the thing. When I went in this afternoon, like, class had just gotten out. There was a line at the door for all these little... Teeny boppers that wanted a soda. I was like, "Just get out of my way! I'm actually spending real money here. You're <laughs> spending two dollars to get a soda, or a little scoop of ice cream, or a Fanta." Yeah, are they getting Fantas? I don't know. Yeah,
2: I me mean neither. I don't know what the kids drink.
1: And I, I, was, I was kind of ticked off with that line too because I I've meant to look at their rubs. Like that, they, they have a brisket rub that I wanted to check out, and they have tester sample bottles so you can like shake them out and smell it and taste it, whatever totally forgot because I was so ticked off with the line. That's just too bad. Anyway, That's so I have, a, I have an eight-pound slab of beef ribs in the fridge getting ready to go for Saturday. Um, but you had mentioned best Texas Tech sports weekend, probably of all time. We, we touched on that in the post-game um, instant reaction recording we did on Saturday because we got a, a question that asked us, is this the is this the most successful Texas Tech weekend? And it really, it probably was. Um, I, I think it's gotta be up there. I, because it not only was one sport, like a high visibility sport that did really well. It Like it crossed sports. You had conference championships, um, implications for conference championships. <clears throat> so your, your baseball team completed a sweep. Well, not on Saturday when we recorded it, but,
2: yeah, they did on. I mean, in a dominating
1: fashion yeah. on Sunday. The baseball team swept over the weekend. Softball team lost one game. They well, lost their first game of the season against the number five team in the country. Mm-hmm. That was their first loss. Um, men's track and field team uh, finished first in the Big Twelve Conference. Won, won the Big Twelve Conference. Women's team finished second. Their highest rating. The the biggest thing with the men's team is they finished with. They scored the most points in the conference championship race ever.
2: Yes, so that's true. They broke all previous records.
1: They scored something like 179 points, I think. Second place was 70 points behind them. They doubled them <laughs> it in, was, a, in a track meet. There was, I can't remember where, where I read it, but I or I heard it, but Texas Tech did not even have to have participation in their last event to still win the thing. Like, they could have DQ'd or, like, no-showed their final event, their final race, and still won this, the the conference.
2: Well, I, I'm seeing here numbers may have been a little bit uh, – they may not have been quite finished yet or something, but according to the Texas Tech website, the men scored – 179 points. Mm-hmm. The runner-up Iowa State tallied 109. Yeah, so, so yeah, it was exactly 70. And then on top of that, the 179 points that Tech scored is a full 25 points more than what has ever been scored. So, not, they, it's not like they just they beat a record that was 172 points, or 167. They beat a record that was 154 and just smashed it through the wall and <laughs> and and just dominated every every square inch of that track
1: meet. Yeah, so the the headline, Big 12 Indoor Champions, Championships first ever trip through Lubbock ushered in world leading times because there were there were world setting times. I think Divine Oduduru has a world best time in the 60. Yes, yeah, one in the 60
2: both. Oh, after memory. it says here that um He, let's see, he went 6.52 in the 60. That's fast. And then after that, he turned around and ran a 20.08 in the 200, the fastest indoor time in the world, and second fastest in the history of collegiate track.
1: That's a fast man. Second fastest in history, not just like second fastest at the meet. Yeah. We're second fastest this year. We're talking like 170 years. How long has college track been around? It's been a while. Yeah. So the rest of that, that headline says world leading times broken records and the most dominant victory in the history of the conference. So hats off to Wes Kitley and his team of extremely talented athletes for doing as well as they did this weekend. No kidding. Dominating. We got to throw some love to track and field team. Um. Do you know what's next for, for track and field? Cause I know like their season isn't over.
2: You know, I sure don't, but I can find out.
1: And they have like national meets or something,
2: right? I, I know there's I know there's definitely more beyond the Big Twelve. Just because I remember last year, um, and yes, that is true. The NCAA Indoor Championships are, I guess, the second weekend in March, March eighth and ninth in Birmingham, uh, followed by the ACU Invitational uh, in Abilene, the fifteenth and sixteenth, uh, and then they've got a couple more couple more little meets scheduled out throughout here so there's there's quite a bit left but uh you know we're kind of starting to get into the outdoor uh, sector of the of the schedule Uh, may has the big 12 outdoor championship hosted in norman and then the ncaa outdoor championships are in june so that there's quite a bit left to go but this indoor this indoor team has just completely blown everyone out of the water.
1: And th- this was the indoor team that like early in the season jumped up to number 1 and like has stayed number 1 the whole season, correct?
2: I believe so. They might have debuted at number 2. I'm not quite sure if that was if that's accurate, but I believe they debuted at number 2, which was at the time the highest that any I think any program in tech history has debuted on a rankings list. And then they've surpassed that, and rightfully so, it looks. Yeah.
1: I was going to say, baseball probably isn't too far behind, because I think they had the highest three Yeah, this season. All right. Let's talk about some football. Okay. Think? it's it's This should be quick, right? What do we got? What's some going on? Spring practice starts this weekend. That can't be right. Sunday. First of 15 practices is on Sunday, March 3rd.
2: Do you think that Wells will have a little bit more of an open Yes, practice? I think so, too. I do. There could actually be some content come out over those 15 practices.
1: Yes. There should be some media availability more so than we had in the past. Um, There may be open practices where people can go, but it looks like most of them that aren't a scrimmage happen like early, early in the morning. Okay. So I I think they start most days at like before eight.
2: Well, that's great. I could swing by on my way to work. Sure. Just check it out. Talk with the boys. Tell them they're having the time of their lives and go back to work. Yeah. It'd be be no problem. (laughs) But, um, if you need me, coach Wells, I'll, I'll, I'll swing by.
1: Yeah. So they'll, they'll have 12 spring practices, three scrimmages where one of them, one of them is going to be a spring game. So you'll have the opportunity to see the team, whether it's Lubbock, Midland or Frisco. um, had more coaching changes happen this past week.
2: Yeah, right after we recorded last week, basically.
1: Special teams coach Joe Lorig. He gone. He gone. He left. So he, he helped secure basically replacing all of the special teams, the specialists for signing day. Grateful that he stuck around that long and then he bounced. Um, and he, remind me where he went Penn State? Penn State, yep. Well, that's okay. That's kind of a big time.
2: Yeah. Program. They're they're doing oh they're doing okay over there.
1: <laughs> what I found interesting though was um Coach Wells ends up hiring Mark Tomerdahl. Right, who, who, who I was, hadn't heard of. Well, so he was the first candidate to replace Shire. So he, he was at Purdue. Uh Wells went after Tomerdahl. I think it was reported he went after Tomerdahl, Tomerdahl. gosh, I can't say his name. Wells went after Tomerdahl first. He seemed to pass or whatever. Um, and then Wells went on to Lorig, who was at Memphis at the time. Lorig moves on. Wells goes back to Tomerdahl. It looks like he offered like a, a really interesting blended position where he's like – Offensive line coach? He's like co-offensive line coach and associate head coach. Associate
2: head coach. I noticed that too. That was an interesting title. So
1: he probably had to, to elevate the title, which would elevate pay raise pay. a little bit. Yep. Um, To get him to leave, dude looks like a, he reminds me of like one of my old economics professors. He doesn't look look like a football coach. He looks very analytical and very like, I'm here for my brains, not for my football knowledge or whatever. I, that, that that sounds really stupid. Or I like know. I'm, like I'm putting down all football coaches. You and hate to be, stupid, well,
2: no, no, no. You, you just hate to be superficial, but you do see a photo of somebody and, and you immediately think of stereotypes. And I'm like, this guy, this guy should be an injury lawyer.
1: <laughs> an ambulance chaser.
2: Yeah. Th- th- I just, I just see that like, man, this, this guy would, if, if he was, if he was trying to get me to, um, uh, to call him because I've been hurt, I, I, I would trust him. I, <laughs> I would trust him. No problem. But I, it sounds like it's a, Hopefully it'll be a good fit. Obviously they've worked together before. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, for some reason it wasn't good enough the first time, but it's good enough now. So as you mentioned, Wells must've adjusted the price tag a little bit, uh, thrown in some interesting tidbits that uh, had him kind of rethink what he was doing at Purdue. So it's, it's, it's good that he had somebody loaded that quickly but who knows? Maybe he had known Lorg was going to go for a little while. Lorg may have been kind of upfront about it and he had would you been talking sense. with Tomberdahl that, you know, it it could have been one of those just really cordial things. So I'm glad, I'm glad the position is filled. It's obviously very important, but a part of me was kind of wishing, I was thinking back to, to coach Shire when he was, we talked about it when he was moving mm-hmm. and he had let, he as everyone knew, he had left his his family where I forget where they were, but even like North Carolina,
1: yeah, states, states, Virginia. and states
2: away, and so he was here by himself. But his family got to come visit a couple of times, and he put that on Twitter and was really happy. and And then, uh, of course, Kingsbury gets fired, and all that turmoil goes with the the uh, staff. And he posted a a very sad picture on Twitter, and I don't think he meant for it to be sad, but I took it as as sad. Of him driving back, I think by himself with a U-Haul
1: and that like nineteen ninety nine U like the the nineteen dollar ninety nine cent U like the little
2: right studio apartment size and it was just the <laughs> wide open road and you're just thinking oh man this guy he he really I w- I was really hoping that uh, Wells would give him a call <laughs> I really was thinking man the Shire would be great I would I would welcome him back I, the but think about like the punning the- got better Pananzolo got better of course you know uh, shotgun. Yeah, yeah, he got much better, and Hatfield was uh, great. Anyway, but returned he's, to form. But but he had to coach him back after an injury, mm-hmm. so he deserves some credit there. I, I would have loved for him to come back, but you know it's it's
1: Wells' show now. He's not gonna, he's yeah. probably not gonna dip into that. Well, no pun intended. So you mentioned Tom Riddell was at Purdue. If you want to see some more details about his his history and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Seth wrote a piece on Staking the Plains, but he, Tom Riddall, was previously at TCU, uh, 98 to 2000, Alabama 20, 2001, 2002, A&M from 03 to 07. So you have played against him. You, you've, That's you've true. Um, and then some sometime between 2008 and 2013, 2012, he was at Louisiana Tech and Louisiana Monroe. Then he was at Cal, twenty thirteen to twenty sixteen, Utah State with Wells at twenty in twenty seventeen, and then this past season he was at Purdue.
2: So. Which who did who was it that Purdue beat this year? Was it Ohio State? I think so. Probably all special teams. <laughs> probably was
1: field position. If, if battle. you went
2: back, yeah, that's probably that's probably what did it. Just a lot of kickoff returns, oh. a lot of run backs. You okay over there?
1: My shoulder was hurting. But I don't know why.
2: Do you stretch it out? Yeah. Needing to leave? No. So, okay. Samantha
1: and I were actually had this, the conversation where we were talking about um, that article that came out, and I can't remember when. It was probably a couple of years ago from that team that never kicked, like that never punted, never. The high school team? That always went for two.
2: Right. Yeah. Played the, played the numbers.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was telling her about that. I don't know why that. Only relevant because we're talking about special teams, but. Anyways. Okay. Spring football's just around the corner. Going to get some spring updates. Um, Nothing too. Like, there isn't a whole lot of drama going into spring football. There's not like a big position battle you're looking out for. You need to replace a couple key guys, uh, like Antoine Wesley, um, Paul Staywars, although I don't know if you can call him a key guy, but you're. you return four starters on the offensive line from last year cuz i think everybody was like underclassmen except for yeah uh, i
2: think Staywars was the only senior
1: Staywars and aconanu was a junior so he'll be a senior so you replace one guy um hoping for continued step or continued progress with running backs um tejon henry obviously is is going to be your number one guy starting off Sir roderick thompson was able to get that red shirt. He looks pretty cool, pretty good. Um, I forgot Rod uh, Thompson got the red shirt. Mm-hmm. He played early and then... Gosh, that's exciting. Shut it down. Um, Alan Bowman behind the center. Going to be good. Going to be pretty good. The interesting thing for me, or the, I guess the most interesting thing is going to be on the defensive side. Seeing how the positions shake out. I... I Started writing a a two part piece on it to kind of introduce the defense, Mm -hmm. and then I was going to do a uh, more like an X's and O's like, here's how the defense is going to work, and here's its strengths and its weaknesses. I came to the conclusion that it was too soon, like, too pro, it was too far ahead of football season, like even spring practice, that like it just didn't, it wasn't the right time. So I'll I'll be revisiting that here pretty soon, but the biggest thing is looking at the roster and trying to figure out where all the defensive backs are going to go because it looks like the roster is nothing but like when you talk about defensive backs, it looks like it's nothing but corners, right? Mm. You You need to replace both starting safeties and then you have a safety linebacker hybrid that you need to find a body to fill. So interesting to see how all that works out first pieces of that start falling into place this Sunday when spring practice starts. Although I I doubt we'll see like depth charts and all that kind of stuff from Wells. Maybe he will. Maybe he'll have an updated depth chart and say, hey, look, this is how we're going.
2: I I think he will be more forthcoming because I think we've forgotten how closed off Kingsbury made it. And we just kind of got used to it. Yeah. So anything out of that will be It'll feel like someone's uh you know just completely opening behind the <laughs> behind the curtain, and we're just, oh my gosh, he actually told us how many people are on the team. This is crazy what kind of what what other
1: thing could he possibly tell us so that'll be something else to keep an eye on like how open he will run the program, how openly yep, what kind of access we'll have um okay. Let's talk about basketball.
2: Okay, I want to. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, um, I, I don't want to talk too much because you guys covered it greatly. Uh, thanks to Kyle and and Mike for hopping on last week or earlier. No, no, it was last week, Saturday night Saturday after evening after the complete depancing of Kansas. Oh, it was so beautiful in in, oh my in front of in front of God and everybody.
1: Okay, uh, so I I put it was this wonderful. In, I put this in the Slack chat. My favorite play from that game probably came like three minutes into the game. Um, It was seven to four. So Texas Tech had a three-point lead. Kansas tries to get the ball into the post with uh, KJ Lawson, I think. Okay. Um, As he goes up to shoot, uh, Tariq Owen strips him. So like. A pre-block, as a, I'll call it.
2: A defensive play to start it off.
1: Right. Um, Moretti picks it up, runs the floor. Um, Culver is streaking down the the side. Not the sideline, but he, he's running with them. <clears throat> then Moretti has this really nifty, like, this bounce pass around a Kansas defender. Um, he puts spin on it to where, like, it got around... The, the Kansas defender, but still was like right in stride for uh, Jarrett Culver to pick it up, and he picked it up about. Um, he, he Culver picked up the pass at the three point line,
2: full steam ahead too. He was yeah, moving. No, he,
1: he was he was full sprint, taking long strides, which we'll, we'll talk about here in a second about his uh, his height. <laughs> um, doesn't doesn't dribble the ball, so he he receives the pass at the three point line. Doesn't dribble. Doesn't travel
2: either. Doesn't travel. It wasn't a it wasn't a LeBron any dunks. Non-dribble. Yeah, and, and dunks with authority too. One handed dunk. And it wasn't quite in traffic, but there no, was a guy right behind him.
1: Because of the pass from Moretti, like he was able to split the defender and then there wasn't anybody close enough tracking Culver to get in his way. I mean as
2: as good as that play was, it's it's just hard to decide between that or I think it was Culver who who hit Tariq Owens for a huge dunk later on. Uh Culver drove in in the lane and, and passed it off to Owens. That was a pretty pretty good one, but for me I might have to go with the oh I don't know. The 16 three-pointers. I think every one of them was. I, I, I was just more incredulous each time. Each time, I just thought this isn't even fair. <laughs> How, who can who can beat Tech tonight? I don't know if anyone could have. Well, I'm sure. Yeah, anyone. I don't know if any college team. Wait, here's a thing. Could beat could beat Tech
1: Saturday night. It was in that post game uh, article that Seth wrote. Had you played like this in the tournament last season, you would have beaten Villanova. Oh, no doubt. And like you would have. That was your your biggest hurdle
2: yeah the, the team that won the national championship was your biggest yeah, hurdle
1: there was nobody left as good as Villanova and you would have you would have played them like you wouldn't have beaten them by twenty nine points like you did Kansas but you would have won that game had you play like you did against Kansas this past weekend
2: Tech gave Villanova by far their best game in that whole tournament it was the closest, including the national
1: championship yeah, it was the closest game in Villanova's entire run yep and it, w- it didn't even feel that close because you still lost by like 10 or 12 points. But.
2: but you were in it until the last five minutes or so, and then it just – the wheels
1: that done come off. All right, so I, I want to I play the audio from this, this, this clip. Okay, I'm ready. Let's play. Amongst
0: the trees, it's stripped by Moretti. Moretti's running. Bounces it down the floor for Culver. He dunks in flight. Now now brand-
2: All right. So. Nice, nicely done, Jeff Haxton. Good
1: call. Okay, that, the other one, like, it's just, sorry, the other video that I, I saw of this um, has much better crowd noise, and just, like, at that point in the game, when you go up, you know, seven or nine to four, like, the crowd is, is way into it, and the crowd kind of dies off in its intensity the later it gets in the game, because, like, there's just... Well, you're up not, at 25. You're not close at all.
2: I know. That's, that's an, a crazy thing to say. But you kind of, oh, okay. Well, this is old hat. We're we're up by we're up by uh, you know eight three pointers. We're gonna be all right.
1: All right, one second. I found it. I gotta back it up to the right spot.
0: A bucket for McCormick. Oh, I this. Pass over the top. McCormick in a crowd strip by Owens. Moretti on the run. Bounce pass. Here's Culver.
2: Oh man. I'm getting chills. That was a good. That was a good uh, mic placement on the rim too. Oh,
1: I love when they like you get a good rim noise.
2: Uh, yeah, I like that, and also the the the
1: super loud net. So the whenever the, you hear it swish, it's just the Mavericks. I think have like a mic in. I, they've got to like in the rim because like being at, at a couple games at the American Airlines Center, like you're sitting top section, right? But, like, you can hear the net. You just hear that swish pop sound. <laughs> You're like, wow, okay.
2: Yeah, I, I love that sound for a lot of reasons.
1: Were there other – okay, so the other thing um, – I don't want to, like, keep, keep going over the game that we did on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. The other perf- big performance, uh, obviously, had to be Narenso Od- Odiasse. He just, like, from the first possession where he hits that fadeaway shot as the shot clock expires, uh, he had the, the 13 rebounds – an eight points. Um, it was just ridiculously impressive game from him. Uh, you wouldn't have been in the position you were without it. I don't think so. And and y'all were
2: right. Y'all touched on the fact that his stat line doesn't even tell the story completely. Uh, just watching the game, you know, how dominant he was, how much space he was creating for himself either to get the ball or, uh, you know, creating space for others by pinning his man while someone's coming to the basket, creating space for himself to get 13 rebounds. I, the guy played great. And, and he did all of this in only 27 minutes. Mm-hmm. He shot four shots. He went three for four. And just really played a great game. A, a big-time kind of a guy you can lean on uh, type of game that, that you you want to get from your senior from your fifth year senior right or was did
1: he redshirt i think he's a fifth year because i I think he redshirted one year because of an injury okay okay yes he did i think he had that that, that foot injury early on that's right maybe yeah i think it was one of the tubby smith years he had to redshirt okay so here's another play i want to share with you um and it may be more of a visual thing and so i'm going to apologize if that's the case this is just under six minutes to go. You're up by thirty. Mooney has the ball, and I and I have to go back and look at like who's defending him. Number thirteen. So he switched off of defending from Odiasse. So KJ Lawson's thirteen. It's a mismatch. Um, Mooney, like he can't decide if he wants to drive against him or what, because like they are the Kansas defense is crashing so hard against any shots or shot fakes at at the three point line so like Mooney fakes and KJ Lawson comes like screaming out after him and like he just like sidesteps him Um, looks like, like he was trying to find like a lane to like throw a pass or to drive KJ Lawson like takes a step back and was like okay I'm gonna take this three and just hits it so let me make sure the volume's up
0: the seniors had a bucket list, and one of them was winning in Allen Fieldhouse. Mooney banks it in, and it's... Is- okay, so,
1: oh, he banked it. Yeah, there were so many bank threes too. <laughs> that's
2: that's when you just know. I.
1: So the other, I think I, like after he hits it, Mooney's like he's got his arms up. Like I.
2: I don't even know. I don't know. It, it went in. <laughs> yeah, it, that's that's what a lot of this was, um, and I, I'm not sure if it had come out yet. But because of this game, Jarrett Culver. And this is the only game. Yeah, so he he played one game this week. That was the one sampling. Jarrett Culver, for the second time this year, was named the Big 12 Player of the Week. And just to go through his stat line real quick, 34 minutes, uh, 10 of 21 shooting, 3 of 8 from 3, 26 points, um, and 3 of 5 free throws. A, a very solid game from Culver, who...
1: Also had zero turnovers. Which is a big thing because when the Tech offense was struggling, he was committing three, four, five turnovers a game. Yes, yes. He and Mooney were both averaging like three or four turnovers a game. Tech only had eight this whole game.
2: And, and, and some of them were on some bogus, maybe not bogus, but some of them were on uh, you know, blocking fouls when they're trying to take a charge, stuff like that. So that it wasn't like they were just – throwing the ball away. I know that Moretti has two well, turnovers. A and blocking
1: foul is not going to be a turnover. It's not? I thought they called that a turnover. That's a defensive foul. So uh, You don't have the ball. A charge would be a turnover.
2: Okay. Oh, you know what? We might have had a charge at some point. Yeah,
1: and, and there was one that was like...
2: Maybe that's... I'm sorry. I'm thinking backwards.
1: There was a Kansas... It, it was real early. A Kansas charge that could have been called where like Lightfoot just blew Tariq Owens, like, into the first row. <laughs> <laughs> right. And he's, like, everybody's, like, dude, what was that? And, and n- nothing. Um And then th- there was, like, like a lot of people were upset about it, but it was, like, a legit, like, uh Moretti came down with, with his heels, like, inside the restricted circle. Yes. Yeah, I, I saw it was, that. It was, like, that last – he took one last step, and, like, when his foot came down, it was inside the restricted circle. Like,
0: oh, man.
2: Yeah, his heel was right on it. But it was – Uh, you mentioned on the instant reaction pod that you were pleased with the officiating only because we won. right? Yeah. No, no, of course not. Of course not. Um, And I wanted to just bring up again on the, on the instant reaction pod, the fact that we should now decide who would win a game between Kansas and Northern Colorado.
1: I mean, mean, who's to say, who's to say it was, it was very similar outcomes between Kansas and Northern Colorado. Yeah.
2: Transitive property. We, you never know. You know, they could play each other 99 times and each of them win whatever half of that is.
1: <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll, one more play. This is um, when Kyler Edwards drives and gets the end one with a minute to go.
0: Great the offensive output for Texas Tech. Well, that it's it's when we've moved, they've been outstanding on the offensive end the last five games. Oh, Kyler Edwards!
1: And like Naren Sodiase. Deshaun Corp and color Edwards are all flexing too. (laughs) it's like with two of these guys didn't have anything to do with the play Um, all right so fantastic game you Texas Tech moves up to number 11 in the AP poll yep Um, I believe they were 14 before before that and Kansas was 15 yep Uh, Kansas bounces back at home last night against Kansas State thankfully thank you way to go way to go Kansas we're all big Jayhawk fans on Monday night because if uh, I'm going to say if because I don't want to like have to knock on wood or, or be the jinx here, but um, if Texas Tech takes care of business against the worst team in the conference at home tomorrow night, you move into a tie for first place because of the Jayhawks winning on Monday. You That's tie right. Kansas State at what's it 11 and four? Yes. Um, you have the better overall record, but that's, well, that's Hang on, thrown out the window.
2: It may be 11 and five. No, it's 11 and four. You're right. Sorry. Um,
1: so you need to take care of business. Like Really, your Big 12 Conference Championship destiny is in your hands now. You got all the help you needed to get you in position. Um, you just have to win your games.
2: And speaking of win your games uh we'll kind of go through the standings a little bit more but West Virginia beat TCU in overtime tonight.
1: Thanks West Virginia.
2: Yeah. So that even helps a little
1: bit cuz we traveled to TCU this weekend. Yep. Um Okay, so let's, let's sorry, I uh, we're jumping around a little bit. Let's go back to the Kansas game briefly and talk about the defensive performance. Kansas scored 20 points in the first half. That's 2-0. They were down twenty-five at the half. Um, Kansas was somehow able to air quotes get hot shooting in the second half. So you had a twenty-five point halftime lead. You beat them by twenty-nine. So as hot as they got shooting, they still didn't like make up any ground against you. Um, your defense is leading the country in allowing. This is the like most West Texas. Stat of all, this is a hat tip to, to Kyle Jacobs if we're pointing this out. Point eight oh six points per possession, eight oh six.
2: And I I brought up to Spencer that that should have been the name of our podcast. And
1: then, but we didn't know. how, and how would we know? Keith had to say like, was that like a was that a stuttering joke? I was like, dude, shut up. podcast. Eight oh six
2: <laughs> podcast. That's that's pretty good on its own too. But yeah.
1: Point um, eight oh six points per possession, points per possession. Um, in this game, Texas Tech was scoring one point four nine points per possession, which is insane and in unsustainable.
2: There's just no right. way. Right,
1: it, it is unsustainable because you've seen how how uh, streaky your offensive shooting goes. But
2: right, enjoy it while it's here. Hopefully, it won't go away. But
1: just just enjoy it. Enjoy it while it's here. Well, so here's here's the other thing. The best defensive teams in the conference, you've already played them. That's right. Oklahoma State is not a good defensive team. TCU is a little streaky. You're going to be on the road there. Um, Texas played you close uh, earlier this spring, but it was in Austin. Um, And this was with a uh, Kerwin Roach. Right, who's no longer... Well, he may be, uh, he's currently suspended, may be able to come back, but... Okay. Um, it's also in
2: our house. Who yeah. I, I saw the stat today. Chris Beard is 48-5 and five at home. Mm-hmm. So it's 15-1 this season. 15-1 this season with that sole loss
1: being, was it Iowa State? Iowa State. Yep. Uh, you were 17-1 last season, and that one loss was against Kansas. Oh, wow. So, if... There's a lot of ifs. I, I realize that, and I don't want to be the jinx. But if you win against Oklahoma State and if you win against Texas, you will have gone 34-2 and two at home over the last two seasons. You've gone 17-1 in back-to-back years at home, which is stupid good.
2: Hats off to the fans, too, because it, it does matter.
1: It does. Absolutely does. Uh,
2: especially the students that are getting there, the Raider Riot guys and gals everybody saddle tramps everybody who's out there that it, it it makes a difference especially in basketball there's just so much you're so much closer to the action uh this uh, it's indoors the yep. sound you know the sound doesn't just carry off into the west texas sunset like at the jones it it bounces around and it goes right to right to the court so it it makes a big difference i think there's a lot of momentum involved in that
1: there was a couple of pictures i think it was from the Raider riot twitter account of the student line before the gates opened, I saw like some of that from the, the front of the line, which I assume they were at the front of the line, almost to Flints no yeah, Flint, you couldn't see the end of the line because there were like trees and one the line was so long, and there were trees in the way, but like it the line stretched from Indiana to Flint, man, like to those dorms at Flint and eighteenth
2: yeah, I can't remember what those are.
1: is that a Coleman, no, it's not Coleman, it's um Chitwood, Weymouth,
2: that's it, Chitwood. Cause it wasn't always called Chitwood.
1: It wasn't always called Weymouth. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so let's talk about Culver for a second. Sure. He is most likely going to be drafted. Yes. Um, And I say, I say most likely because like after this past month or so of games, his draft stock is just continuing to climb. Um, It started off, like, at the beginning of the season, everybody was like, well, Culver's going to be your best player, and he's probably going to go to the NBA this year. Um, True, but my goodness, like, this this article from Kevin O'Connor, Danny Chow, and Jonathan Charks from The Ringer Mm -hmm. says that Culver could go number two. Yeah, right behind Zion Zion Williamson. Um, they also mentioned the... Uh, <laughs> His height. He's the tallest 6'5 basketball player I've <laughs> ever seen. So apparently, either Culver's going through a, a growth spurt or there was some gamesmanship when they put out the roster that Culver's not actually 6'5. He's actually taller than that. But there have been some people and other articles that are saying, well, when he stands next to Odiasa, who's a 6'9, he's like right there with him. Yeah, he's probably 6'. I, I would guess he's at least 6'7. Yeah, so... He, if, if he's still growing, then I think that's where everybody is saying, oh my goodness, if he's going to push, if he's going to be pushing up close to 6'10, which I guess is doable. I mean, he's only 20 years old, he could still be growing. Um, like, he's even that much more enviable or desirable from a draft perspective standpoint
2: i would think so too which which says kind of i know that kevin durant is someone who's always kind of hidden his height a little bit he's probably the tallest six nine player that has ever played basketball because he's a lot of people swear up and down he's seven foot and he probably is uh i think i think he finally lists himself as 6'11 here and there <laughs> but that there was there's kind of a stigma to guys that are meant to play on the wing or or be a a guard position if they're quote unquote too tall and maybe they're kind of trying to combat this early but it's you know if you're off by two or three inches it's going to come out really soon but that's I I mean just to see him get some recognition that he does deserve at at this level uh, you know the ringer is they, they know basketball quite a bit and especially these guys that ride on the college side. So I I was very pleased to see him, you know, his picture on the front of the article and to be mentioned as a possible number two pick. And they say that he's, and I think they're right, he's a lottery caliber player no matter where he lands in pre-draft measurements.
1: Yes, yeah, so I was going to read some of it um, from this Culver Piece. It says some weeks he looks taller, some weeks his already strong shoulders seem broader, some weeks his stride is a bit longer than it used to be. His body is transforming, and there are corners of the deep draft web. (laughs) That was funny. Intimate that Culver is not only much taller than his listed height, but also that he might not be done growing. Um. Culver's potential for literal growth turns what would normally be commonplace skills for the guards into gym-like rarities for a player six foot eight or above. Culver has the do-it-all two-way wing skill set at the top of every team's wish list. Um But the first thing I try to find out if I were a front office executive is whether or not his growth plates are still open. <laughs> right. So it's gonna be an interesting uh Basketball roster next season. Um, but there's so many pieces there, either currently there or incoming, that you're like, man, like Beard is legit re- reloading. Right. Right. A- after, after the Elite Eight team left, you're like, man this could be a tournament team. It, it probably could, it probably is a tournament team, but, um, like this past you weren't month. thinking
2: number two or three seed tournament team. Yeah,
1: well, yeah. This past month, like, is this is this another elite eight team? Is this a Final Four team?
2: Right. It, it gets you really thinking. If these guys can shoot like they can, and and then just play play average defense, their average play defense. their average defense, and and then they shoot, uh, you know, slightly better than average, then they're going to be fine. They're going to have a chance to win every single game.
1: Sorry, my wife has texted me updates from the Arkansas Kentucky game because she's a Kentucky fan. Oh, okay. She's and and like has tight like her her parents. I think her dad went to Kentucky, so like it's it's legit. It's not like their bandwagon. And mo- all of her family, her mom's family lives in Lexington.
2: Okay, okay.
1: Sorry, so my phone's going off over here on the side.
2: I kept seeing it pop up over there. I thought, man, I hope everything's... Well,
1: that and, and, okay. <laughs> and the group chat. Well, that's why I kept checking. I was like, well, that's a, that's a text from Samantha. Also, the group chat from the, the T-ball team. Oh, okay. They're trying to figure out if they want to practice over spring break. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll worry about it later. Okay, so let's look at the the article that Kyle Jacobson, like his weekly update um, by the numbers because we're going to look ahead at the remaining schedule. Um you still remain at the top of the conference in terms of your BPI rank. You're number 8 there. You're number 10 in the net rankings, which is a big piece of the seeding uh component when selection Sunday rolls around. Um as a 10 that puts you what as a as a three seed if they just go straight through. I think so. You it, it you'd be the the second three seed. Um the, your remaining schedule, you host Oklahoma State, um, and these are all BPI ranking projections, so again, don't, don't kill me, don't kill Kyle for relaying these numbers, and if it happens, or if it doesn't happen, it's not my fault, <laughs> or, nor is it BPI's fault. Oklahoma State, chance to win, 96.7%. On the road at TCU, 687 so you still—it's a healthy road favorite. Home against Texas, eighty-three point five, and here's where the biggest changes come. <clears throat> On the road at Iowa State, this game a few weeks ago, your chance to win was in the twenties. Iowa State has struggled. They have, even and, at home, they have. <laughs> Sorry. And well, no, I was—I was—I'm agreeing with you. Um, and then you have—you've been really strong the past few weeks. So Iowa state has the second highest BPI rank at 14, but they have not been performing to that level. Um, anyway, that the chance percent chance to win that game has moved from somewhere in the mid twenties to 42. It's getting closer to a toss up than it was Mm. like a home favorite for Iowa state. Right, right, right. That was a good voice crack. Yeah. Yeah. You going through puberty over there? Yeah, I'm 35. I'll figure it out eventually. Um, your Big Twelve record, uh, your chance to go fourteen and four, which is to win out, is twenty eight percent. Do you have a you have a higher chance of going four and zero over your last four games than you do going two and two?
2: Okay, okay, I don't want to bring this back, but wasn't there only a seven percent probability that Tech would go zero and five in their last football games, or was it three uh, percent? It was it looks- something really small.
1: It was something. I think. I think it was like two percent. Some
2: sometimes nature finds having, a way.
1: Having just beaten Kansas, I think you had like a less than five percent chance of not yeah. making a bowl game.
2: Yeah, I feel like it was three percent. There was there was something like that. And, Anyways, and lo and behold,
1: it came true. The chance to go thirteen and five, which is three and one down the stretch, it, you're most likely to go three and one according to BPI. It's forty two percent. A court, uh, if you go to their percent chance to win, obviously they they think you're going to win the next three and then lose on the road against Iowa State, which is the one game we've been pointing to for weeks now, saying of your remaining schedule, once you get past Kansas, in terms of the scheduling, the last game you have to worry about is literally the last game. It's going to be at Iowa State. Um, it seemed like they were going to have a lot more... Um, have a lot larger stake in the big 12 conference race than they have currently. They're, they're out of it. Yeah. They're, um, they are out of it, but you still have to win that game. Well,
2: you really need to, I mean, you, you have to win all of them, right? I mean, of course, if Kansas state stumbles, you don't have to, but if you, what and, we know right now,
1: if you and Kansas state both win out, you will tie for first. I don't like that.
2: Kansas state. Y'all need to lose one.
1: At least they have to lose another one, but their schedule is as Yeah. It's easier. Um so the again, going back to the BPI percentage points here, chance to win the Big Twelve Kansas State still leads it at seventy two percent because um they have to lose another game and we have to win out. Um well sorry. I'm trying to make this math work out. They have to lose another game. Then Texas Tech has to go 4-0 for Kansas State to not at least have a share. Okay. Yeah. So the, the, that's kind of the why theirs is so high. Are the Texas Tech percent chance to win the Big 12 55%? Um, this is going obviously with a, a share there. It could be the majority of that 55%. And then, of course, if you win out and then Kansas State loses one more, um, you'll be in sole possession of first place, and Kansas somehow some way still has a seventeen percent chance, which I bet has to include Kansas State and Texas Tech both we have to lose what i said two games apiece, oh at least I think you would have because Kansas State do that or Kansas is what ten and six right now, or ten um, and five, let me see. I don't know their standings. Yes, they're ten and five. Um, and with with your four games, you have to lose two. Yeah, it, it they are still mathematically in the race. Um, remaining schedule for Kansas State: they lost last night against Kansas. They host Baylor, travel to TCU, and host Oklahoma.
2: So the Big Twelve Championship goes through Fort Worth.
1: Because both teams vying for first place have to go to Fort Worth. And
2: TCU just lost to last place West Virginia tonight in overtime.
1: Are they last place? Or is it Oklahoma State?
2: Uh, West Virginia has lost 12 games. Ooh. They just, lo- Oklahoma State has only lost they 11. They just dropped into
1: sole possession of last place. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, you, you, you need uh, Kansas State to lose one more. The only game that they are under 50% in terms of BPI is that road trip to Fort Worth.
2: The frogs may need to to pull it out.
1: Yeah. Okay. But not this Saturday. Later. Later. Yeah. Your remaining schedule, obviously, I, I think we mentioned this already, this Wednesday, tomorrow night, you host Oklahoma State. Then this Saturday, you travel to TCU, Monday is when um Kansas State travels to t c u so they get that Saturday Monday um, little two for whatever mm-hmm. right? and then you get a little an extra day to prepare for that road trip to Iowa State on the ninth next Saturday.
2: This is the most interested i've I've ever been in Kansas State basketball.
1: Which is funny because, I I mean, just the swing of them, like, losing their first four games or three, whatever, no, two games. And it was, like, just discounts. I'm like, oh, my gosh, Kansas State was picked to, like, be second in the conference. Right. They're, they're, they're at the bottom. They're trash. Those dog. guys don't know anything. And they reeled off, like, ten straight. You're like, man, Kansas State's untouchable. <laughs> okay, so a text update from the wife. Kentucky wins. They had the longest nine seconds of basketball apparently, because the, the last few seconds of a game, especially a close game of basketball, can really get drugged.
2: Especially NBA. It, thankfully, college, I think they have less timeouts. There's, there's something different.
1: There's so many timeouts. There's so many fouls. Yeah,
2: well, the timeouts, they reset every quarter, I think, in NBA. Oh, my gosh. It, it's hard to watch. An NBA game takes forever. I, I do appreciate that college, even though it does drag the last minute and a half, it doesn't drag as badly. Okay, so your Big Twelve standings,
1: really quickly, before we move on to baseball, these are accurate. I just updated them. Current as of right now, Kansas State eleven and four have a half game lead over Texas Tech at ten and four. Then um, there's Kansas at ten and five, Baylor at nine and five, Iowa State nine and six, and then it really falls off. Texas at seven and seven, TCU at six and nine. Oof. <laughs> Oklahoma five and ten. Oklahoma State three and eleven West Virginia three and twelve so all right that's a lot of basketball um let's get that the home win Wednesday night let's get the win on Saturday the win on Monday the win on next Saturday <laughs> let's just do it let's just win out yeah let's just win all the games yep um let's talk about baseball for a minute if you're not I don't know how you could be but if you're not subscribed to the Dinger Derby podcast, you need to. If you're not following Keith at Dinger underscore Derby or at Keith B. Patrick, you need to be. Um, you swept the Kentucky Wildcat baseball team um, with a resounding nineteen to four victory on Sunday. That's a heck of a parting gift. Um, they came. I, I apparently they didn't have the, the pitching depth. That you did. That they, the games got progressively worse as the weekend went on. The game was closest on Friday. You had a little bit larger of a margin on Saturday, and then obviously had 15 runs on Sunday. Um, after that, you went to five and one. Um, You're starting your weekend rotation. Looks to be. I mean, after weekend two, looks to be. Fairly set. Uh, Erickson Lanning did much better this week than he did last week. Uh, He pitched Friday. Caleb Killian went on Saturday. He, again, like Lanning, like, yeah, like Lanning, a lot more solid in week two than week one. And then Mason Montgomery, the freshman, started on Sunday, also had another great weekend. Um, So that looks like that is probably going to be your weekend rotation going forward. Lanning, Killian, then Montgomery. Um, which leaves your midweek rotation with Bryce Bonin. So Bryce pitched and started today. Had a fantastic bounce back after his first start. Great outing against New Mexico State. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you've got guys like Hunter Dobbins and Micah Dallas that haven't pitched yet that should be in the mix somewhere for some midweek um, starting, which which is big. Because in previous seasons that like that those midweek starters were just, you basically pitched all of like your relievers. Um, but you've got legit starters. Like Bonin was an opening weekend starter for you. Mm-hmm. And he pitched today as a midweek guy. And through six complete innings, gave up f- only four hits and no runs.
2: And this Which, is a team that came in that had scored 38 runs in a game. They were averaging. They score
1: like 90 runs over like a series.
2: Right. Uh, I think they'd scored over 19 runs, four games. Uh, Jamie Lent, before the game started, was reading off everyone's batting averages, and I think...
1: I think the lowest like in the 350s. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was
2: in the threes, and, uh, he, and he, he even he... kind of made a joke about... It. And then this guy down here just batting 333 or whatever it was. <laughs> uh, so they, they have guys that could swing the bat, and Bonin really shut them down today. And did it did a good job. I mean, the whole team did, obviously, with uh, helping them out with the hits they did get. But seven to nothing—that's Tech's first shutout of the year.
1: Yep. Um, Bonin had had a couple early walks, and you're like, oh my gosh, the—he's kind of slipping into that the control issues he had the first weekend was able to settle out of that. And like I said, I don't have the walk numbers. I think it was two or three. Um. In his six innings, like I said, only gave up four hits. The other impressive thing from today, your relief pitchers, which I think you ran out three. You had McMillan um, at one point. Oh, I can't remember because I had to leave early again. Either way, you you had two or three guys finish out the rest of the game. They combined to only give up one more hit. So you gave up five hits on the day. Um, which is not very much at all. No, no. And I wanted to,
2: speaking of guys that can, can hit, uh, I kind of want to bring up Dylan noisy a little bit. You need to dude is averaging 407 right now. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure I know that's, Hey, Mm -hmm. things are going to change. That's going to be different, but. Uh,
1: well, it's it's not like like he played Texas Southern and New Mexico State, right? These are at the start all of the
2: season. Correct. I mean, he had two three game series against Power Five schools and New Mexico State team who was a tournament was, team last year, right? Went to the regionals last year, and I believe Tech may have lost. Did they? I mean, not not in the regionals, but uh, when they played them regular season, did they lose a game to New Mexico State last year?
1: I it's it's possible.
2: Yeah. I, I, it seems like they did. I'm, I'm maybe. Completely incorrect about that, but this this cat can hit. I mean, I he had I, a grand
1: slam on Saturday,
2: right? Right after hitting a home run, I think the inning before. Hmm. Uh, was it a solo home run? I can't remember.
1: Yeah, it was. It, he led off the inning with the solo home run. Yep, yeah, and then he,
2: I think his next at bat was the grand slam. No incredible. Doubter. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and that was really what swung the game because I think that mm-hmm. game was. It was close until then, right? I think that was one of those, yeah, one of those fifth or sixth innings, uh, just manic breakouts that our bats tend to have in in some of these
1: games. So I, I think bring bring that on, keep that going. I, I think today was the one of the only times where you won a game and didn't have like a six run inning.
2: <laughs> right. It was a it was a rather quote unquote pedestrian day offensively. Your your largest uh, your largest. Oh,
1: what do you call it? Run output? Yes, that's good. Was in the bottom of the fourth with three, which was a Cam Warren, three-run home run. I was there for that. It was a no doubter. Yeah, crushed it over the visiting bullpen.
2: You did a you did a good job uh, giving those guys some some pointers throughout the game while you were
1: there. I did. I, I told Bryce Bond to throw strikes, and he did. Yeah, uh, I took good care of you. I, I probably called the Cam Warren home run. <laughs> um. <laughs> The other hitters today, there was, I think it was Brian Klein or who, who bats right behind Klein. I would not know. Do not know the order. No, it was Klein. Klein hit a. No, it was Noisy. Noisy hit a triple today. Um, off of like the top of the right field wall, it was very nearly a home run, but Tech batters, I think they had three hits like hit the wall today. Mm. Josh Young had like a screaming line drive that like, Oh, the, the outfielder caught it or someone caught one on the wall. I remember hearing that on the radio and there was one, uh, like a line drive. I, I, I can't remember who's at bags. I was talking to my friend who was there. Um, didn't look like a home run off the bat, but like hit the netting of like the visitor bullpen. So like where you can see into their bullpen, like it just drills that like, Wow, I didn't realize it was that close to being a home run. (laughs) Wow. Um, So your bats are coming alive, your defense, your starting pitching looks to be settling down a little bit. You have a big, uh, big tournament this weekend in Frisco, the 2019 Frisco college baseball classic, where you're going to go up against, uh, I think all three teams were tournament teams, like regional teams last year. Mississippi State was Super Regional or College World Series team You play them on Saturday You start Friday night uh, With Nebraska Then you play Mississippi State on Saturday And then Sam Houston State on Sunday So you've got a great uh, Three game tournament there in the Metroplex Only downside is The subscription you have to pay To be able to watch these games
2: Yeah it's on some
1: Flow live TV That we've never heard of until now for the Roku subscription, I think you have to pay for the month and it's $30.
2: Right. They, they get you by that because I think you pay if, I think if you only wanted to watch it on your laptop or maybe a mobile device, you could pay a smaller fee. But if you want to watch it on your Roku, your Apple TV, you have to get the premium service, which then goes from 1399 to twenty nine ninety nine or whatever it was for yeah. a month. And that's, that's pretty steep to watch three baseball games.
1: It it would make more sense if like I was covering the entire tournament. I'd, I'd watch all the games. It would make a little bit more sense, right? Or if like we were all like we had a big group of guys that wanted to watch all the games, we could kind of split it. But I mean, for me to justify spending thirty dollars to watch a TV broadcast of a game because I'm probably only going to watch one game, well, I don't know. And then
2: April 1st is going to come around. It's going to auto renew. You've got flow live TV for again till May 30 bucks for no reason.
1: Yeah. I have no idea what else is on flow live TV, but I guarantee I'm not going to watch a second of it. No. So uh, that's, that's the downside. Um, I'm sure if you're in the Dallas area, you can still pick up like weekend passes for this and go watch it. Sure. Probably for about 30 or 40 bucks. (laughs) Watch the whole thing. Um, And then following that, you have a two-game series at San Diego State. So you get quite a bit of a road trip there from Dallas out to the West Coast. You play two games there on Tuesday and Wednesday next week. And then you come home the following weekend to host Wichita State. So you went out there and played them in 2017. So this is the return trip of that home-and-home series. Um, And then you jump right into conference play. Right, it's kind
2: of odd. I, I'm obviously not super familiar with baseball, but there's like a Michigan series tapped mm-hmm. in there, and it, uh, gotta, Stetson, and one, a, one game trip out to Duke. Right, and of course you'll play New Mexico State again. I think in Midland, it's just it's it's an interesting dynamic. To all right, well you start conference play, but
1: but you're not done yet. Yeah, yeah
2: you still you're still going to have uh, these out of conference foes
1: that you'll you'll encounter throughout. the the season. So as, as baseball is is continuing to roll along, um, you'll hear some updates from us, especially as basketball season starts to wind down. Um, and once spring football kind of winds down, you'll get your, your fair share of baseball content from us and dinger derby, but subscribe to both subscribe. If you haven't subscribed to us, I don't know if you just are now hearing about it. Appreciate you checking us out. Yeah,
2: thanks. Um, thanks for sticking around after 15 minutes of T-Ball barbecue talk.
1: Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, subscribe, uh, basically, on any of your, your podcatchers. Write a review. It helps show up in the search. Um, all right, let's get to some questions. Okay, I think we had one. So, okay, <laughs> Seth actually touched on this in the morning steak today, and I, wa- I Michael shared it, and I was like, man, well, that makes sense. So... Seth said he meant he has noticed a decline in comments as well on staying in the planes, and it seems uh, and there's probably some research to back this up that when the, when teams that we're following are successful, there's a whole lot less conversation going on. There's not a lot of bickering. It's a lot of it's it's we're we're in agreement. So like where there may be like a comment and they're like oh I agree or something, not a lot of people will post. I agree with that. There's not a lot to fix, but if there's if there are things that are going wrong, if things are broken, if you're in the middle of a five game losing streak, yes, again, again, there's going to be a lot of bickering and infighting, right? And a lot of comments, a lot of questions.
2: Yes, and it's also going to be a little bit different because with football being the the spotlight and the cash cow and everything, there's a lot more eyes on it. Yeah, Uh, spring sports unfortunately won't get that much attention although they're probably getting a lot closer uh, especially with basketball success but I, I think there's something to that because we did see a lot more interaction throughout football season and i think it was because of dismay with the results <laughs> probably and uh, that was a that was a lot of the questions that are kind of uh leaning that direction so Maybe so, you know, we, we want to, we, we're glad if, if that's the reason we're getting less
1: questions, then I'm okay with that. Yeah. I can live with it. So the one question we didn't get is, is football related and yeah. it's Cliff Kingsbury related. Right. Um, and I'd I, I have to pull up my phone. It's essentially saying I, I've got it. If you want me to read it. Oh yeah. Will you read it?
2: It's from uh good old red Raider reset, man. He sends us one just about every week. Appreciate that. Yep. really do. Always. And, um, what he asks is, uh, with Kings being able to now buy a defense instead of having to recruit one, do you think he will be more successful?
1: I don't know the, the intricacies of building an NFL defense in terms of like salary and drafting, all that kind of stuff. I would say he's got more tools available to him um, and that he's probably able to... He probably has more pull with a GM... Slash owner than he does with 17-year-old recruits and moms. <laughs> right, right. It Re- Regardless of how good he looks to said recruits mom. Right, and, <laughs> and
2: we've touched on this a little bit as far as what seemed like his, maybe not disdain, but his uh, feelings towards recruiting were not the the most passionate. That wasn't the thing he was in it for. Uh, he he seems to be more of an X's, X's and O's guy and seems to really enjoy coaching um, once the players are there. And I think that's what's going to be a benefit to him in the in NFL. And I think you're right. I, I think he'll have more success on the defensive side of the ball. But a lot of that will just kind of be determined by who he hires and I know that he did hire someone recently. I, I remember seeing some article on the athletic and they were going to change their scheme just slightly. Something like from a four, three to a three, four is what I think they were going to try to do. And I think he's got some guys he can lean on to, to run that for him. And he'll probably kind of go back to being hands off again. I think that's what he enjoys the I most. so yeah. And just let that, let that coach handle the defense basically. And he'll, I'm sure be around for meetings and maybe have some suggestions here and there, but I bet you he's just going to kind of, uh, run the offense and, and leave the rest up to him. So, yeah, that's,
1: yeah, that's (laughs) it. That's it. Um, going yard. I got mine sprayed. You saw it. You did. I, I walked in tonight. I was like, I, I noticed your your yard has a green tint to it. Mm-hmm. You had some pre-emergent thrown down. Well, here's the thing: your, your yard looks good, so it looks like you had some pre-emergent applied last fall too. Yes, because m- most people that are having problems with weeds right now are struggling with the winter perennials that are that germinated and are now growing. Because if you put out a pre-emergent now, you're not gonna you're not controlling those. You're controlling your spring and summer annuals that are popping up by crabgrass so if you have weeds now it's because you didn't, you didn't put down a pre-emergent in the fall if you put down a pre-emergent now even though you have weeds you'll cut down on what you have in the summer do another application in the fall next spring you should be good to go yeah but you can be applying a post-emergent so like just a weed killer on anything that's growing right now just straight up round up if right? yeah, if, if your yard <clears throat> is dormant if your if your Bermuda is dormant not actively growing, it won't. It won't take in any any Roundup. Oh, okay. Y'all probably shouldn't listen to me.
2: Don't listen to me on any of this.
1: If if you're if you have a transition zone, cool season grass, that may not be fully dormant. Like 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 yours, like fescue. Yeah, Roundup is going to absolutely just trash. Your, like at like at fancy grass over there, <laughs> at twenty three personnel south. <laughs> you got that fancy grass on that. Um. But yeah, the active ingredient of Roundup you probably know is gly- glyco- glyphosate. Um, of course it is. I just drank some. Been, <laughs> it's it's, it's bad good news. for you. Bad news. <laughs> um, I, actually, I don't know if you saw this. It was kind of a big deal earlier this this winter. There's um, a yard, an outdoor grounds maintenance uh, guy that is suing the... like. The makers of Roundup. Monsanto. Because, Monsanto, yeah. Monsanto. Because he developed terminal cancer from his almost daily contact with glyphosate, which is the, the active ingredient in Roundup. That doesn't seem like a very far-fetched well, claim. Here's, here's the thing. The amount of exposure he had should have been uh, mitigated by him properly wearing his personal protective equipment. But that's also like saying that also gets like really icky and like victim shaming. Like, yeah, that's Dude, right. Dude, you've got terminal cancer; That's your fault. I was like, Oh, okay. Well, he's also dealing with a disease. Like, like he was handling these chemicals that eventually led to this. So, right. And I'm sure he bad. wasn't ingesting
2: them. It's still bad. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure he thought he was doing it. Safely or safe enough, and didn't think about it. Yeah, you're right. That's so,
1: as as much as we talk about like spraying stuff on your yard, be careful. Wear gloves, pants, long sleeve shirts, glasses, eye pro, as the as the cool kids like to call it. Eye pro, eye protection. Oh,
2: what? Yeah, PPE guys. PPE. You, you folks in the construction and oil field know of PPE. Wear your H2S monitor just in case. You just never know run crosswind, do not run upwind, run cr- crosswind, downwind, then crosswind is really kind of what you're
1: supposed to do. I believe I have to, no idea what you're talking about to get away from the H2S. The other thing, uh, because you mentioned wind, I have not put down my pre-emergent yet because I was, I was planning on it Saturday and then we had, <laughs> this was the greatest thing I've probably ever seen. It was in a lo- local Lubbock fishing Facebook group. He asked, one of the posters posed the question. He said, Is anybody gonna go try is anybody trying to get out in this dirt hurricane? <laughs> <laughs> I was like that's a perfect summation of what is currently happening in Loving because if you are not in the eight oh six, Saturday was was nasty. Saturday was a mess until
2: about two or three o'clock and then it died down to thirty miles an hour. Yeah, the the
1: worst of the dirt. the dart <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> the West Texas is sound like me talking over there. Infiltrating. The the worst of that was was definitely early earlier in the day, morning into early afternoon. <clears throat> we, we have a lot of new dirt in the house that needs to get cleaned up because of that. Like around the doors and windows. It's so stupid. I
2: know it's so gross. You you realize how little your 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 house seals. Yeah. When just that dirt's just creeping in.
1: So that's probably what, what I mean, it's not like I learned that, but I, I'm learning, realizing that like my tolerance for the Lubbock Springs, the Lubbock winds is waning. Bring it on. Bring, I hate it. Oh, come to this side. Come to this side of the table. Dude, I'm just, I'm getting like it it used to be like i, I moved out to love I was like i love the weather out here there's a little bit of wind in the spring <laughs> i can deal with it cuz it's so different and a little bit it's not like humid and just disgusting like dallas was and that's not even like the worst part of humidity in the state but i'm i'm losing my patience for this wind yeah and and it's <laughs> so so, d- so like cracked and right
2: it's so dry your knuckles
1: bleed you have like daily nosebleeds and yes you're spitting out mud because of the dirt in the air. I've I've long said, and I believe
2: I talked about it last year on the podcast. Lubbock spring is the worst season, by far the worst season in yeah. Lubbock.
1: I, I don't.
2: It, for every I'm every decent day you get, you get a, a dirt storm and or hail storm and or mud storm. Because today was beautiful, and or me, just, tornado watch slash warning slash yeah. Whatever,
1: whatever else comes next, because of how nice today was, we're probably get three or four days of just like blowing dust again.
2: Well, and it's also going to get to sixteen degrees Sunday. Did you know that? No. Yep. <laughs> so Sunday's going to be a high in the thirties with Can a we low get of, 16. Out of this Stupid weather. Uh, that's that's what I'm that's what I'm telling you. Just Lubbock spring is the worst. It is the worst. It is the most volatile, volatile time of the year as far as weather is concerned. I mean, fall can kind of get that way, but
1: I'm checking the the weather app on my phone right now. The low for Sunday is now 14.
2: Oh, 14. Okay. And and currently in or today in Lubbock, it was in the 70s.
1: Yeah. High of 74.
2: Yeah, and it's going to be 77 on Friday. And then it's going to be 41 on Sunday with a low of 14. Why not?
1: So maybe I dump my pre down this weekend. <laughs> Screw
2: that. Do whatever you want to do. It doesn't matter. We're going to have three more freezes before May. Ugh. You know, at least three. Possibly more than that. All right. Well, what did you learn? I learned that today is Johnny Cash's birthday. How old is he? He would have been... Oh. Well, <laughs> that's... I'm kidding. I knew he was dead. <laughs> He would have been uh let me see uh 9087. Yep, that's correct. He was born in 1932 on this day. And I wanted to see do you have any favorite Johnny Cash songs are you much of a Johnny Cash fan?
1: N- no, not really. I I mean, I I like Ring of Fire. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh and then I know Walk the, Walk Line, the Lines good. because of the of the movie.
2: That's good enough. That's a good enough reason to know it. I One of my favorites, probably my favorite, is A Little Unconventional. It's his cover that he did on his, I think he just the album's called Johnny Cash. His cover of Soundgarden's Rusty Cage. And my favorite part, which you're going to play here in a little bit, is the last half of the song. And what's so cool about this is Johnny Cash um, brought in Tom Petty, and the Heartbreakers to play on this album. And they're in the music video. So you can see Tom Betty in the background and the rest of the Heartbreakers playing with him. And I think they backed him up on this album and I think his his other album, I think that was just called Cash. So that's, that's a pretty good little backstory. And that's a fun thought. You've got one of the best rock and roll bands ever backing you up because you're Johnny Cash. You have that kind of clout. You're like, ah, you know who I might get? I might get Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. We'll get Tom Petty. Yeah, let's just see what they're up to. But, uh, anyway, that's that's what I learned, that today is Johnny Cash's birthday and I think my favorite song of his is Rusty Cage.
1: Before we go there, I want to thank everybody for joining us this week on the 23 Personal Podcast. Thanks for, for hanging out with us, for helping us reach more and more of you rabid texas tech fans um do us a favor subscribe to us on itunes google play music stitcher radio i think it's what it's called spotify what are the other podcatchers podbean you can subscribe there Mm mm-hmm um podcast addict on your android device mm-hmm. if you use that app podcast addict. rate and review us so other people that helps us with the seo the search engine optimization we, we show up higher in the results if we're actively being reviewed and rated so help us out there um and with that let's do some johnny cash all right <coughs>
0: Oh, mm